You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on this brand new episode. Uh, we are delighted that you're here. Um, Sua has a Ziploc, a zip Ziploc bag. Yes, I do. Full of questions you hear for that? me because we're gonna we're gonna be. I think we're doing something like ask PP some questions, so mm-hmm. we're gonna do that. Um, but before we do that. I do have a question, and this is not going to... We usually like to do like kind of upbeat, fun type stuff. Uh, but I thought it might be also good for our audience to get sort of uh, a side of us that we don't normally talk about much. So I want to share... The question I want to ask is, uh, sh- just share with us uh, if anything recently has happened that made you sad. Made you sad. All right. Has anything happened recently? And when I say recently, it could be from like the summertime till now that kind of made you sad. All right. Sad. Come you on. Have to go. Are you I, ever I sad? Very, Sua, are you ever feel... are you ever sad? Okay, so this is um I was talking to my friend um, because that's a that's an important emotion to have. We need to experience sadness. No. Um I'm not gonna say which <laughs> friend this was, but I have one friend who is the epitome of what I always wanted to look like growing up as a Korean child. She is Korean and she looks like this frail like she's not frail she's actually very strong but she looks physically like this very thin frail like wild flower who this person you don't know know her her. you don't know her um she's my friend from ohio and she's just like has she's so feminine looking and so like just you know she looks like one of these like cosmos like wild flowers like that's what i wanted to look like whereas like i was always like a pretty sturdy looking child like nobody ever thought i had anemia Uh or anything like that um, and so I was trying to talk to my friend. I said, why do you think I can't look like this? And then we decided like, there's a reason why it's because I'm too happy. Like happy people can't look like that. She says she's always tormented by like the state of the world. And like, <laughs> she said anxiety induces her to not be able to sleep at night. Like she has to take like a bunch of melatonin to be able to sleep. I oh, have no issues horrible. sleeping. Um, oh, you know, I never really have anxiety. Oh. Like I just kind of coast through life not really thinking much about the state of the world too much. And I think that's my problem is like, I, I, I'm I too happy. I, I wonder if you have this mechanism within you to just automatically, if there's ever a sad moment that happens in your life or that there's a moment where you can be sad, you just shut it down. You just deflect and you focus on something else. No, no, I have felt sadness. It's just yeah. very, very rare. Yeah, yeah. Like what? I mean, okay. So why don't you give me an example of something that made you sure, sad? Sure, sure. I, I mean, I, okay. I'm gonna like. I mean, this is really sad. Like oh, this is really sad. Why did dog die? If it's like dogs dying. No, I, no, 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 no. It's not a dog dying. It's not a dog dying at so all. I can't. I can't. Uh, do although I think I, I, I will be. I will be sad when when uh when Kobe does die. I will be sad. Um, and you know he's gonna be nine in a couple months. So I don't know how many more years he has left. So anyway, uh, so the thing that makes that that's made me sad recently is that, you know, I have um, I have two sisters, two older sisters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the middle one is Susan. And Susan is two years older than me. Uh, she I she came over my house earlier, I think, in the summer. I would not early. I would say about in August or so or maybe late July. And um, like she didn't she, she didn't look good. Um she couldn't see like it just like her eyes like just she she was limping a lot and you know her husband had said well she fell and and her and husband said like she's blind and i'm like what what are you talking about so um i know that my sister uh was diagnosed with glaucoma 
years ago, a, a while ago. And I, you know, my sister just does not take care of herself. And, and, you know, cause she has, life is kind of full for her. She has an adult child who is mm -hmm. autistic. And so I think she's majority of her energy is focused on him and not on herself. And so, yeah. And so, you know, we have an, uh, a, thankfully we have a, an eye doctor, an MD at our church. And I just reached out to him and I just said, Hey, listen, would you be open to maybe just checking out my sister? I just, I, I need to know how bad her eyes are. And he was gracious. He said, yeah, if you want to come to my office, feel free, come up and I'll take a look at it. And so I, I, you know, my sister came and we went up and her left eye is completely blind. And, um, and her right eye is, um, it's, it's so bad. It's he glaucoma? said that it's glaucoma. She's never, you know, you know, when you have glaucoma, you have to put eye drops in every mm -hmm. day. And she, you know, she hasn't done that. in I don't know how long. And he said, it's really bad. The right eye is really bad. And, um, you know, like let's treat it for about a month and a half and let's bring her back and let's see if the pressure has gone down. And so I said, okay, sure. You know, hoping that maybe that'll help. And so, you know, I took her back a couple of weeks ago to the doctor and he looked at it and he said, no, the pressure went down a little bit, but he just said, he prepared me. He just said, Peter, um, it's just a matter of when, uh, your sister is going to go fully blind. Oh my and gosh. I was just like, what? I was like, really? She's going to go blind. He's like, yeah, fully? like, like hundred percent fully blind. Yeah. 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 She's going to go fully blind one day and um, it's so bad she's a, he said this is not irreversible and he said she's at really high risk to do surgery right now and uh, and it wouldn't it would it would be too high the risk is too high for her at her state and so you know he gave her more drops hoping to slow the process down and and i just said okay i was like would you just maybe you know meet with us one more time like maybe in november and stuff and just to kind of get a maybe another update and just see if it got better and the pressures went down a bit more and and he was like sure and so you know we're gonna do that in november sometime but yeah it's just sad it's sad because my sister lived a really hard life and you know she currently lives in the marcy projects and her life's not easy and everything about her life's hard and and you know i was just kind of like i i just i feel like my sister is in a place where she doesn't really care if she like lives long or not anymore i think life has gotten hard for her so hard that she doesn't really care about that anymore so that makes me sad that makes me sad to know that my sister is you know gonna go blind one day and the reality is and i sat down with her husband i said you know we're gonna have to start thinking about what ifs because when she goes blind completely she's not gonna be able to take care of her son and you know and i know you're not going to take care of him so we got to make provisions and we also have to think about my sister might live in a nursing home for the rest of her life when she goes fully blind because he's not going to take care of her, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. So anyway, yeah, so that that makes me sad. That makes me sad. And uh, just the, the the thought of that and, you know, and there's always me as a brother thinking, could I have done more? Could I have like been more, you know, proactive and maybe gone to a doctor to a doctor sooner? And I know that in many ways, that's like the guilt, you know, and stuff. And I just say to myself, no, 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 I've, I've done the best I could. Um, you know, and I can't like live in guilt and say I could do better. I could do better, but I'm sad. I'm sad. The fact that my sister is going to be blind one day that, that makes me sad to to think that. So anyway, it's really serious. I know mm -hmm. I was going to kind of like, no, I'm the so sad. Here. I'm so sad now. This That's so sad. And you know, what's so sad, like, obviously this, the, the trajectory of where it's headed is so sad, but it's also so sad to me that 
she had so little um like prioritization of her own yeah. care yeah. that yeah. it's come to this point like yeah what has her life been like for her um that has allowed her to come to this come to a place where she's almost blind and she hasn't even felt you know what i'm saying like like what does what does that like whatever the past few years even look like for her in terms of like prioritizing yeah, her I, son over herself like it's i don't know it's so sad i don't i don't think she would fully tell me but you know like she and i i just i tried to have a moment with her and i just looked at her and i said hey i was like susan like do you do you want to live like do you do you want to keep living or do you not want to live anymore like you've just kind of desired like you've lost mm. the zeal to live life and she didn't answer me mm. at all she just stayed quiet and i and i felt like that was the answer you know because if she wanted to live she'll say no i want to live yeah but the fact that she couldn't say yes to that uh that i want to live uh i think she already answered it for me so it's really sad it really is and you know and so and here's kind of the thing that i struggle with sometimes um you know here i am you know and i'm trying to be a pastor to serve the least the last mm -hmm. and the lost and i think this bothers me sometimes and i think about it I have a sister who is the least, the last, and the lost. Have I done enough for her? You know, and sometimes I think like, I don't know if it's the enemy or if it's just me just saying like, are you, are you like, like, are you a poser, man? You know, like, have you done enough for your sister? And so like, sometimes that gets to me, you know? So sometimes I think about that and I'm like, man, I wonder if I've done enough for her. So anyway. Now I'm getting all emotional about it, but yeah. So I don't know how I'm supposed to do a bag of questions after that. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think to myself, like, you know, honestly, I'm thinking like, man, like, yeah, like you think about that. Here I am and, you know, I'm pastoring mm -hmm. a church and justice is such an important part, mm -hmm. compassion, advocacy, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then like, man, I have a family member who's in that boat and it's not to say that I've never tried. Of course, I've tried. I've tried. But at some point in the journey with her, I just said to myself, I have to like separate. I have to distance myself from her because I can't. Because when you're trying to help somebody and they're not reciprocating the help, they're not like receiving it right, right. and wanting it. It just ends up hurting me more, you know, and stuff like that. And so there is a part of me that distanced myself from her in that way. And I said, well, I can't. I can't keep getting on her because she never attends doctor's appointments that I tell her to go to and I set up for her and stuff like that. And at some point I just said, well, this is her life and this is the life that she has to live. And then I'm just wondering like, man, like, but should I have done more, you know, kind of a thing. And so anyway, you know, she's lived such a marginalized life because she's, you know, this Korean woman, but a girl growing up with a learning disability. And, you know, you've, you've helped me write about this, but, you know, in a Korean culture, when you grow up with a learning disability, you might as well be invisible. You don't really exist, you know? And so she was an, she was a, a different type of a mm -hmm. Korean woman. She was 5'11". Yeah. She was large, yeah. always large frame, big bones and stuff. Like that. She just never fit the mold of a petite Korean person. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, so she always felt like the marginalized, the outcast, you know, and stuff. And so, yeah, I think about when I think about her, I get sad. I do get sad. So anyway, yeah. So that's me. Really? You're going to say that and be like, you. and you're going to be like, yep, that's it. That's it. That's I mean, it. We're all like I, a if, I, if I keep talking about her, I'm um, going to keep crying. So I got to, I got to stop this, but anything, I guess you don't have anything recently that's made you sad. Just going back to though, I mean, no, I'm not going to talk about your sister necessarily, All but right. I think that the story of how much 
intervention or how much um, just getting involved with a family member is the right amount is such a perennial question that I think a lot of people have because you know we always joke about like that one black sheep in the family or like that lone yeah. uncle or that weird yeah. aunt yeah. or whatever you know everybody yeah. has somebody that what they can think about when we say that one family member that we can't yeah. quite seem yeah. to get a grasp on and I think I've seen this play out a lot in the sense of sometimes you end up enabling the person and their yes. toxic behaviors or cycles yes. because you constantly keep fixing it. But then there's other times yeah. when you do have to intervene because you you yeah. just have to, you know, or it's a yeah. danger to themselves and others. And I think right. sometimes the dynamics of also, um, like if it's an older sister or an older brother, there's these weird dynamics of um, why are you telling me what to do? You're my younger sibling. Yeah. Like there's yeah. so yeah. many things that play into this relationship that I think make it actually counterintuitively a lot more complicated and difficult to do than if it was a complete stranger you know like yes. i think in our minds we're like oh it's our family Absolutely. it should be much easier it's infinitely no. more difficult when yes. you have this kind yes. of relationship with a family member because there's so many layers and nuances that you have to navigate and a lot of times they will fight you every step of the way and yeah. it just becomes so 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 difficult so anyways um thanks sua sua Thank you. You're so no, pastoral. I mean, that's just, no, Sula, but that's you know, so this is why you should, this should be the Week Passes podcast because you actually, <laughs> your pastoral gifts are so high. That was you really being funny? so pastoral to me. No, but PP, you know honestly, it's true. I, it's, it's so true. So it's hard. so true. It's so hard. And I, it's I think so true. it's, you know, when you say this is my family, um, it should, I should, I should do it more. I don't think anybody who knows you or even listens to a podcast would ever doubt you did more because I know, I know what you've tried to invest in this relationship. And yeah. it's it's sometimes like you go one step and then it's like 10 steps back, you know, and it's yep, just, yep, yep. it's so difficult that, that relationship. So, so you know, I think anybody who has a family member who they try to kind of resolve these kinds of things would, would understand hundred percent why it's so much more difficult to do this with family than like complete strangers. Yes. So you almost, yeah. your own, your hope almost has to be like, my hope almost has to be like, maybe another stranger will do this to my family. Cause I'm mm -hmm. doing this to mm -hmm. another family. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, cause it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's sometimes just doesn't work. I will yeah. say something really funny because you're saying this pastoral thing. Um, it was the funniest thing. I almost died because two <laughs> days ago I was talking to Audrey and she said to me, she's my younger daughter. And she was asking me how she finds out what she should do with her life. Like we're mm. eating breakfast and she's like, mommy, what am I supposed to do? How do I find out what I should do with my life? Wait, she's already asking. How old is she? She's, she's already eight. asking these she's questions. She's eight. No, yeah, but, but this is a question mean. that they all ask, right? Like, what do you want to be no, when you grow up? No, don't ask questions yes, like that. Yes, they do. Kayla very... wanted to be a hair brusher for dog grooming. Remember? No, no. When I asked, I had to ask the question. <laughs> she's like, I want to comb the hair of the dog. I'm like, whoa. That's my like, favorite story, by the way. Like, like my favorite story. Her her cousin was like, I'm going to be the president of the United States. I'm like, well, that's a great korean answer you know i'm gonna conquer the world and, I'm like, what you you know, do, and you were like oh you want to be a dog groomer no no i just want to brush the hair of the i want to brush the hair of a dog i'm like oh my god the, the difference of uh what they want to do when they grow up it's so so much i, was I like, mean wow. but so audrey was asking me well for the record okay. lila also wanted to be a magician so um nice. so we're both on magician. the same track here but yeah, yeah, audrey yeah. so i was trying to explain to audrey in the best way possible while trying to you know fry her rice for lunch in the morning like oh um so i mean obviously i i, I know i know i shouldn't have gone this route but i was like you know 
the world tells you you can be whatever you want to be. That's totally not true. Mm. You can, we cannot be whatever we want to be. Okay. That's yeah. a lie. It's a straight <laughs> lie from Satan's mouth. Dang, we cannot, like, I that's cannot true. be that's a true. pro basketball player. I just yeah. can't. It's yeah, not possible, yeah, you know, no, but the world possible. tells us we can be whatever we want. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, my answer would be, um, like it, it, I forgot which book it is. Is it Buchner? It's that book that says, you know, you have to find where the world's greatest need and your greatest joy collide. That's where your calling is. Mm, and you've got to figure that out. I like, and you've got to pray about it because God's That's given great. each of us a unique set of gifts. And the place where you will be happiest is where God calls you. And that will always be in service of others. It will always need meet the That's need right. of something that yep. God's kingdom wants to bring on here so anyway we Damn, and then you just, and then, you just you just answer the question how do i find my purpose well, no, in life? But listen oh. so then audrey goes 100% seriously she looks at me and she goes she goes oh like so like what about you so i said well you know mommy used to work at a hospital then mommy got, got called by god to go work at a church and then now mommy's been called to work as my primary ministry of serving you guys as a stay-at-home mom and then she says to me this is like the funniest thing she looks at me dead serious she goes that's wonderful because then you can be um, a stay-at-home mom, but then after we all are older, you can go be a pastor. <laughs> nice. Hey, no, I think that's thank prophetic. You. No, thank you. Sua, like, Sua that like, could be prophetic. That could be prophetic. Sua, no, that could, come on. Could, it was be... so funny. I was like, no, no. I said, Audrey, mommy is not going to be a pastor. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. All of the things she could have said. Why pastor? Like, why couldn't she be like, a dog groomer or something it was just such a weird <laughs> thing to say anyway a great need there's yeah. a great need we need more healthy pastors um, in this world so anyway well okay. cool well that was an yeah. interesting question i just kind of thought about it but uh, yeah very yeah, sad so, and yeah it was a sad burden. story it was a sad story very... but it gives you guys a little bit more gateway um, to to me my life kind of what i'm going through these days and that kind of stuff so you know we all go through our stuff and we have to stuff and we have to kind of deal with deal with it the best we can but anyway so i know you got a bag of questions you're gonna ask I do me have a bag of questions and you know yeah. what um they're actually i was gonna ask questions specifically tailored to you but then i realized we recently did one with steve where we were asking you about your leadership and pastoral leadership so yeah, these yeah, are yeah, actually yeah, yeah. more like a mixed bag of questions good like good. theological questions that i may have been wondering and yeah. um, we can kind of try to unpack them. Okay? You guys need to know, like, she actually, like, cut them up and they're, like, long. They're, like, long, like, strips. Long, thin And if strips. I want to pass one, I might pass one. Okay. Oh, okay. Here's one. You might be like, I don't even have any thoughts about this. What are you, your thoughts on Christians? Oh, my Christians? God, your dog's crazy, by the way. Okay. Oh, Luna. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Christians saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day? Oh. The wow. reason why I bring this up is because my kids do it. And one time yeah. it, it, I was reading a book about um, allegiance to the kingdom of God and yeah. how we should not pledge allegiance to any other kingdom. And, you know, the whole tension between um, allegiance to the Roman Empire versus allegiance to kingdom of God. And it made me think about the actual words of the Pledge of Allegiance and how we do this every yeah. single day. And then it started making me feel like it was an act of worship, like I was pledging mm -hmm. allegiance to the Empire of America. I, I feel like I'm going to get canceled. But I don't, do you wow. have any thoughts about this? I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I just, I, I don't have, I don't have any real strong thoughts about it other than the fact of like, I think it's okay to do it. I mean, it's a part of the school and you do that. You pledge your allegiance, you know, to our flag. I mean, you know, I think in one way showing respect to the country in which you live in, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I get what you're saying. I, you're saying to the fact of like, are we like really pledging ourselves to this country more so than the kingdom of God? And that shouldn't be. And, and it's hard. It's hard. 
Um, you know, because when we pledge our allegiance to the United States, we're pledging allegiance to democracy, which is very different from pledging your allegiance to the kingdom of God, which is a monarchy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's harder to do. It's a lot easier to pledge your allegiance to a country that's a democracy than to 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 you know pledge your allegiance to a to a monarchy where there's a king and you have to be, you know, you're a servant of the king, you know, and there is no you know, obedience is not an optional thing. So uh, in some ways, so I think I think in that way, you know, looking at it in that way, it's it's hard, but I get what you're saying, and I think it's noble. And I I personally I, you know, if if you felt so convicted of like you didn't want your kids to do the pl- pledge allegiance at school, like I could respect that. I could totally respect I mean, that. I don't think I told them not to do it. I think it was more this question, especially in our current political landscape yeah. Yeah. where there's so much Christian nationalism, yeah. and a lot of it is because there's been this conflation of what it means to be a, a Christ follower or a Christian and the ideals of America, where now if you criticize anything that's quote unquote American, it be, it's become where you're, it's almost like synonymous to criticizing Christianity itself. And I think that's mm. why I started feeling a little bit uncomfortable with this idea of, because as you know, the words we speak repeatedly become part of our spiritual formation. Sure. And sure. just, and I wonder how many times have my kids spoken the Apostles' Creed or even, you know, at church together with, um, versus how many days yeah. they go to school and pledge their allegiance to the flag. Yeah. And I don't know. Something about that tension was making me think about it because oh. as you say it, it becomes part of your form- formation, yeah. especially as a child. And then yeah. when the time comes when you have to choose between the the values that your nation says is their value versus the values of the kingdom of God, which a lot of times are opposite the kingdom values of the nation which one will you choose and how much more difficult will it be if you're constantly reciting this pledge of allegiance to your country i know i sound a little bit cuckoo but no it's it's i mean it's really deep thinking there i uh but i never yeah i mean that's great i mean it's great and i think think there is something i think there's something to explore about that though yeah okay move on move on next question you know what i do like that you said that i like what you said about how the kingdom of god is a monarchy and um it is inherently it's just a different political kingdom okay different completely different okay if jesus is really the only way to god does god not also speak through other non-believers and what i mean by that is like you know when sometimes like you're listening to a pop song on the radio and you have this revelation Mm. or like you read a book that is completely a secular book but you feel like god's truth isn't there Or sometimes you speak to a friend who's not a Christian, but they tell you something and you're like, oh my gosh, is God speaking to Mm -hmm. me? Is this possible? Because, you know, in the Bible, it's pretty clear. It's like, Jesus is the only way. So can Jesus, yeah, but the person will have to, you know, those those are moments to get them to the place where they can, you know, believe and and believe in Jesus and repent and, and, uh, you know, inhale Jesus as their king. Those are the moments to get there. But yeah, I think God can speak through anything. I mean, man, God can, if God can speak to a donkey, you know, he can speak to but anyone. But how? You know, what do you mean how? How can they have the truth of God if they don't even have Jesus? Oh, I see what you're saying. How can they have the truth of God if they don't have Jesus? Because it's so clear in the Bible, like only through Jesus, Jesus alone. So then how can we be getting these well, that, That's for salvation, right? That's for salvation. Okay, so you're saying... Just because, okay. just because you hear a song and it ministers to you, that doesn't mean that you're saved. You know, so in the Bible, when it says that Jesus is the only way, that's salvation. He's the only way mm. to to have. He's the only way to God in that way. But 
but God can use, I think, anything, um, you know, to speak to us. And, you know, I mean, I watch a movie sometimes and I'm like, man, like this is not a Christian movie, but man, I'm like connecting with God here right now, you know, and stuff. So I think there are, there are things that God, God can use anything, I believe, you know, um, to, to, to help, to help us to connect with him and his presence in that way to eventually connect deeper with who God is and, and Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian, those could be moments where, you know, it leads to you. So I think there are moments where people are praying for you that you don't even know. And those prayers are being answered by perhaps maybe you listen to a song or watching a movie, mm -hmm. somebody saying something, you know, God can just use, God can use anyone, you know, he, he can use, and he can also use people to, he can also, you know, use uh, people to harden people's hearts. Right? And he did that with Pharaoh when he hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that Moses can still struggle. I mean, it's like it's God can do anything. He can do anything. So I don't, I don't yeah. like that, by the way, the whole Pharaoh hardening heart thing. It's very, um, it's, it's <laughs> very know. hard to logically try to like rationalize. It's pretty um, crazy. Okay, hold on, hold on. I need to find one that's a good segue. Oh man, this is a really abstract one. So you can answer this however oh way All you right. want. Um. How would you describe to someone what a Christian life should look like? Like if somebody says to you, what is it mm -hmm. what does it look like to be a Christian? Like can you describe yeah. that to me? What is a Christian life like? What would you say? It's so hard to answer that like in one sentence. No, it doesn't be one sentence. These are not like ones and duns. I mean, if, do you have any thoughts? If you don't have any thoughts, we can come back to it. I'll put it on the side. Oh no, I do. I mean, I have the thing is I have too many thoughts. You know, um, and I, I'm just trying to f like curate it and say like, which is like the one, like couple ones that I, I'd like to say, which is like to me like the most important thing. I, I will say this: I would say that, uh, like you know, true Christian person. But there's like, my I dog. Think some... There's my dog barking. Do you hear my dog yes. barking? I don't. I don't hear your dog barking. Oh, okay. Wow. My microphone's the, amazing. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. The, the, these microphones are really amazing. Um. So anyway. One of the things I will say is that a, a true Christian, I think, is somebody who pursues Jesus just because they're so enchanted by him. Mm. That's that's a true Christian. That's somebody like they're not going to him because they need a prayer request answered. They're not going to him, you know, because they they want this or that. Uh, they have a list of things to pray for. No, but they're pursuing Jesus because they're so enchanted by him. You know, it's just kind of like you know when we were so enchanted with our spouse when we were dating. Like there was just there was just passion there. You know, and you just wanted to connect yeah, with your spouse. Yeah. You want to connect with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You want to be with them. And that to me is a true Christian that you don't just see God or Jesus as this God that's supposed to just help you and live a good, healthy life here on this earth. But you just pursue him and saying like, man, you're the most important thing to me in my life. And I just want to pursue you and connect with you. And that's it. Like to me, I think that to me is a true Christian. And that and that's my hope. My hope is like, you know, as I'm a pastor of a church, that we can sort of help people, not necessarily give them more knowledge or things about God, but we can help them, put them in positions where they can just grow and become more enchanted with him so that they want to just pursue him more. That to me is like a true, true Christian. And then everything else will kind of come, you know, after that, I think. It's very um, different from, I feel like, what we are taught, like taught growing up, or at least I was taught growing up about yeah. what a Christian should look like. I mean, the word enchantment was not even in the... <laughs> like sphere of what it means to be a christian do you know what you I know mean? somebody you know i did i spoke at a retreat at yale um this fancy, year i think it was like fancy. february yeah so these are some really bright kids and um and one of the guys you know we had a q a with me and one of the guys said hey like can you share with me like what a like what does a real christian look like mm. like what does it mean to be a disciple 
And like those, that's a loaded question. And mm -hmm. I just, and I, mm -hmm. that's how, that's exactly how I answered it. I said, mm -hmm. it's just somebody who's just so enchanted with Jesus. And like, you know, you're doing well spiritually. Like when you're just really looking forward to like reading the word, to connect with this Holy Spirit and Jesus. And we just connect, like spending time in silence because you're connecting with the presence of Jesus. Like, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in a good place um, when there's that kind of passion rather than you going and saying, well, I got to. I read my Bible today and I better say some prayers here because I'm a good Christian. You know, I got to do this, but you're doing it because there's a, such a, an, an enchantment. You're so like mm -hmm. in love with God that you want to be with him. You want to connect with him in that way. That to me is good. And that to me is like my prayer for my children, you know, that they would really, yeah, they would really be, they will learn to grow and, uh, and have that kind of love relationship with God. That would be That's the my greatest hope. inheritance to leave our Oh children. my gosh. If like my kids can grow into that, forget it. I'll I'll be so happy. So happy. Okay, let's see. I don't even know what I wrote in these questions and I'm getting like very <laughs> nervous. Oh, here we go. All right. Put on your theologian hat. Okay. Okay. What do you think Christians get wrong about the Bible? And what do you think is the most inaccurately applied or misunderstood passage in the Bible? Holy smokies, man. That's going to take me a while. Take too a hard? While. Too hard? Should we pass? Yeah, say, say, say it again. Say, Basically, say the question again. What, like, you know, okay, so I only thought about this question because I was recently listening to a podcast with N.T. Wright because he wrote a book about oh, he's Romans so good. 8. Yeah. He literally wrote an entire book that's like super, super duper long on just Romans 8. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And um, he talks about how Christians, he believes that we've completely misunderstood a verse in that book and applied it in a wholly inaccurate way. Obviously mm. th his version is like a lot more um, specific, but I do think like, remember when I talked about that whole time when Hebrews was Hebrews 11, one, when I talk about, you know, I thought that verse about God being able to do whatever we can like beyond what we can dream or, Oh no, no. Hebrews is about, you know, faith is what is it, the culmination of things that are unseen. You know, that mm -hmm. one, I thought it was about me getting into college um, that's what I thought it was about, <laughs> like for a really long time or yeah. about God granting me the things like, I can't see that I'm, he's going to give me this college acceptance, but I believe it because that's what faith is. Mm. Like, that's what my interpretation of it was. And obviously that's silly, but I think there's a lot of things that even we at this stage in our faith misinterpret about the Bible or certain passages we like to pick out and say, this is what it means. Yeah. You don't have any. I have so many. That's the thing. Oh, like, we have I'm so just many. To... Oh, okay. So we have the opposite problem. Well, well, no, no, no. Like, I'll, I'll just share one. This is not, I don't think this is the top one. I would have to really think about that and be like, what, what really is a passage that I think a lot of people um, misunderstand? Um, but I, you know, one of the things I think people misunderstand is the, uh, the verse when Jesus says, you know, come to me, all of you who are heavy burden, um, give me your burdens. And, you know, because my burden is light. And your yoke will be light. Remember that passage when yeah, Jesus says that? Yeah, and I'll give that? you rest. Yeah, yeah, and I'll give you rest. And I, I think people misinterpret that passage of thinking like, you know, oh yeah, life is gonna be life's gonna be easy. Like it's gonna be good. It's hmm. gonna be easy. And uh, you know, as long as I give Jesus my hardships, He's gonna take it away or He's gonna answer it. I don't. I don't really think that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is just inviting us to entrust our lives to Him. And when we can do that and we can trust that, like when we give our lives to Jesus, he's going to care for us. Mm -hmm. That's how we have rest. It's not him doing the things that we need him to do to think that we can get rest, but it's just, no, it's us surrendering and giving ourselves in whatever it might be 
you know, whether it be like struggling through a sickness or something like that and just giving it to him, then we'll be able to find rest within our heart, within our soul. So I think people misunderstand that thinking that, yeah, the Christian life should be easy because look, our, 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 you know, our burden has to be light. Like our yoke is light. It's not, it's not necessarily, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's, it's that uh, in the sense where we think of it like, oh yeah, then not, my life should be devoid of any pain or any hardships or any suffering and, and it should be easy. No, I think the Christian life is incredibly hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. But the promise that we have is that if we give it to Jesus and trust in him, then, you know, we'll have rest. We can go to sleep at nights. So we're, we're not going to struggle and suffer through anxiety and things like that because we know that God is with us and he'll care for us. And we really believe that, not just with our minds, but with our heart. So I think that's one of the verses, I think, that a lot of us, you know, kind of misinterprets. That, like, Another one, I think we... Of, well, yeah. that reminds me of like when we did the Sabbath episode. Um, yeah. Uh, and that to me, like when Jesus says he will give me rest, I think about Jesus being the embodiment or like the fulfillment of like the Sabbath in like in person um you know it's it's that whole idea of um i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this i'm trying to like there's you know sometimes when you have like all these thoughts in your head and you're trying to like yeah make yeah them oh no i have sense, that all the time but i just cannot get them to make sense in a linear logical way um but i mean i feel like for so long we felt this like people have felt the separation or that tension or the struggle of um the way the world should be and mm. the way the world is or the way we should be in fellowship with God, but the way we can't. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when Jesus says he He will give us rest, I think about it as like the, he is the ultimate Sabbath in the sense that um, all of the things that we have been chasing in our lives and trying to get um, or like the things that we never felt like were enough or we were not enough. Mm. Like Jesus is like, no, I'm giving you who yeah. you are. And yeah. I'm giving you everything you need. So you don't need to chase these things anymore. And no matter what circumstances you go through and they will be difficult and they will, you know, and he said in life, you will have troubles, right? But I have overcome, yeah. like I'm giving you the peace that can only come from me. I don't know yeah. if that made any sense, but that's what no, I was it sure about does. after the whole like Sabbath conversation that we had. Um, but anyways, what's another one? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'll also say like, you know, when you think about that, like with, when you think about Paul's life, you know, when, when God spoke to Ananias, it was kind of scary. He's like, no, I need you to go and I need you to like give this guy his sight back and he's going to really suffer. Yeah. Like God said that yeah. to Ananias, yeah. like Paul's going to suffer. Yeah. And for my name, <laughs> you know, like just that's so antithetical to how we think about yeah. God today, you know, and it's just like, yeah. And so, but like Paul wrote a book about joy mm -hmm. while he was in prison. That's just it just blows my mind when you think about that. Like it, again, it's 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 not that his burden was less. He was able to give it all to God and he just entrusted his life to God. And because of that, he was able to write uh, an epistle that really taught people how to live in joy. And it's just, you know, it's it's it's, it's pretty remarkable and I think, you know, we have we have, you know, Americanized, we have westernized Christianity so much to the point where it's really, it's become like a prosperity gospel. Not to say that we're all going to get rich, but like, we're going to be like healthy. Nothing bad's going to happen to us. We're going to live the American dream, all that stuff. And I think that's just really dangerous. So it's really dangerous. The other yeah, passage yeah. I would say, Sua, that, that um, you know, that I think that we we don't really fully understand is that, you know, and I've shared this on, on the pulpit a couple of times, and I know you probably remember it, 
The only description that Jesus ever gives to us on the day of judgment is Matthew 25. Mm -hmm. That should scare the heck out of us. That the criterion that he's going to use to determine whether we're a Christian or a non-Christian is based upon how we've loved and served the least, the last, and the lost. That is scary because the church don't, churches don't teach that, you know? And there's just, just believe in Jesus, you'll be okay, you know? Make sure you spend time praying, reading the Bible, and all that stuff. But the only description Jesus ever gives on what the day of judgment is going to look like, he says that, you know, the master is going to separate the sheep from the goats. Mm. And he determines it by whether you've loved and served those people who have no voice, the marginalized, the hurting people in this world. And I just think that as Christians, we don't fully understand how deeply connected our faith is in serving and loving the least, the last, and the lost, right? I just, I just don't think we understand the depth of how, how much yeah. uh, that is such a theme to our faith and who we are. And so anyway, yeah, I think that's something that we really misunderstand and we don't really think much about. So that actually reminds me of um, the whole, and like, you know, like I don't, I don't study Greek. Like I, you know, the best I can do is I have an NIV study Bible. That's great. <laughs> you know, no, but sometimes I think about how things are translated um, from the original and how yeah. much is getting, if any, is getting lost in the translation yes. because, um, you know, in the Bible, it repeatedly says like, even today I was reading, what was I reading? John eight. I think I was reading John eight and that word believe keeps coming up. Like believe in me, believe mm -hmm. in me. Mm -hmm. But what is he like, what does Jesus mean when he says, believe in me um because the way i immediately understand it like my first thought is the way I, it, I immediately go back to um youth group or when i was young and it means mm. you believe that jesus died for you and your sins are forgiven like that's what you believe and then if you believe that your sins are forgiven and now you are saved or or now you get to go to heaven i don't know you know belief but that doesn't quite tie into for me what you're saying about matthew 25 because if the judgment is based on how we've treated or loved the least, the last, and the lost, how is that the s same thing as just believing in Jesus? Do you know mm. what I'm saying? Like the line yeah. doesn't quite draw there because I know plenty of people, myself included, who would easily say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he's my savior. But there's a lot of not the other side. You know what I'm saying? And so it brings yeah, me- you know, I yeah. It, so, so you know, if if you believe in Jesus that He died for you for your sins and resurrected from the dead, if you believe in Him and you say you believe in Him so that you can go to heaven, I don't think that's real belief. Honestly, I don't. Because um, if you really believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and uh, and He resurrected from the dead, that should transform your life. It should impact how you live your life. Um, you know, we can't just think of Jesus as an eternal life insurance policy because He's more than that. Mm. You know, um, it's it's belief is trusting our lives to him and trusting in the things that he's encouraged us to do in the scriptures that we do our best to live it out uh, to do to, to in order for us to do that. And so that's belief, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and it's got to be backed up. It's got to be backed up in how we live, supported by how we live our lives. And it, and and that to me is a thing that I think we Westerners, we just think is just this abstract. Oh, yeah, no, I believe that Jesus died for me. Oh, but you got to you know, but how does that impact your life? Like, you know, like if I tell my wife I love her, but yet she doesn't feel like I love her, like my actions don't support it, then I don't love her. You know, I can say I love her, 
All right. I can preach about it on Sundays. Oh yeah, I love my wife, but I don't love her, you know, and stuff in that way. So I, I just think our actions are really important. And if we really love Jesus, um, if we're if we ever get to a point where we love him, where we get we're so enchanted with him, I believe we're gonna feel the throb of his heart. And the throb of his heart is oftentimes for the hurting people of this world. I mean, that was his purpose in Luke 4. He said, I've come here, you know, to help the poor and the oppressed give sight to the blind, heal the sick, all that. And, that, and, and, and Jesus says life and mission was to serve the least, the last and the lost. And it's gotta be something that's very important to us. And we have to be about that as well. So that's, that's all I would say about that. So, you know, I just think um, that's another part of scripture. I think people misunderstand. So, and then, yeah. And then, you know, Sue, I think like growing up in youth group, that's all we were kind of brainwashed. Just believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, resurrect from the dead and you go to I mean, that's how like, missions is oriented. And that's the you four know? spiritual laws, right? right like, right. it's just like, no, but it's, you know, it's, you know, Christianity is, is we're called to be disciples. We're called to give and surrender our lives to the King, right? It's, again, it's this monarchy. Jesus is our King and we are his servants. And it's about us surrendering, you know, to him, you know, in that way. And he's not this oppressive king. He's a king that loved us so much. He died for us on the cross, resurrected from the dead. But he's also calling us to come. And our job, our greatest purpose in life is to expand his kingdom. And no matter what, you cannot tell me for a moment that when you read the Gospels and you read the Bible, God wants his kingdom filled with the least, the last, and the lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He wants it. He wants it filled with the least, the last, and the lost. And so we have to be about that in our own lives because that's what God wants. So anyway, yeah. It's like really hard to not, I mean, speaking about going back to your original question of like what makes me sad. I mean, like I said, I have, I don't want to say I have a resistance to being sad, but it's very hard to be sad when you're a parent or like you're the primary parent because sadness requires energy. That is, <laughs> it's a lot more energy sapping than happiness, yeah. I think. Like being happy is very status. Well, I mean, but but that's yeah. because you're generally naturally happy. But I would say for a sad person, a person who's always sad, they would say it's so much more harder to be no, happy. Like, I mean, sad. not like happiness that like is evident, but like just being like, mm. like status yeah. quo. Whereas like, yeah. I mean, there have been times when I had to like hide in the closet and cry because I didn't want my kids to be like, all like, what's wrong? You know, and sometimes it's okay mm -hmm. when I'm watching because they know when I watch animal cruelty videos, I cry all the time. But that's easy to explain. I can just be like, oh, this dog is being abused, but now he's found their person, like his forever owner. And it's just so sad. Like that, <laughs> that's like very easy to explain to them why I'm crying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they know I anytime I mirror, I have like a very strong mirror reflex. So if somebody starts crying, I just start crying. I don't know why. Mm. It's just like a mirror reflex. Mm. Um, but so, you know, with the recent, and I don't want to talk too much about, I don't want to talk at all, actually, about the Israeli-Palestinian situation at all, but it's very difficult to not be bombarded by, like, the images and the videos of what's yeah. going on in that area right now. And I was trying, and John's like, stop looking at it. I'm like, I'm not looking at it intentionally. It's just coming up on my feed. Um, yeah, and, you yeah. know, I try to, like, not think too much about it. I pray about it, but I think, I try not to think too much about it, but I have to tell you, Anytime I sit down to pray, it is like impossible to like, I'm getting super emo now. Okay, hold on. It's really impossible not to think about what's going on. And I think yeah. every time I pray, these images keep coming back. And I think there's yeah. a reason why every time I sit down to pray, it happens. Because I think mm -hmm. God is so sad about so what's sad. going on. Yeah. And I yeah. think something about connecting with God, it's very, it's, I guess it's very hard for me to understand if someone says to me, I connect with God and G I connect with Jesus on a regular basis, but I, it doesn't like my heart is not moved. 
by compassion mm. for the things that are yeah. happening in the world. Yeah, like exactly. I would say, how is that possible? You how know, is it possible? Yep. Even when I sit down for 10 minutes to pray, I can't stop thinking about yeah. it because God keeps pushing it on my heart. So maybe well, a reevaluation. I, so, so I would just say that that's that's because you've you've been able to really you know connect with God to want to get to know him more in that way. And so God is allowing you, he's giving you a gateway so that you can you can connect with his heart. And, and that's what you're feeling is what you're sensing. But I think for the reality is so many Christians, we don't, that's not even on our radar. Sua. we're just like, ah, you know, God, just here, here's what I want you to do for me. And we're so selfish when it comes to our relationship with God. Like we are incredibly selfish, like super selfish when it comes to being a Christian, because we just want God to just keep blessing us, blessing us, blessing our fiefdom. That's it. We just want God to bless us. And it's like, Man, that's not what prayer is about. I mean, like, yeah, we can pray for certain things, but we need to go and we need to connect and get to know who God is and um, and connect with his heart. And you're right. God is sad. God feels the, the emotion of sadness a lot. And uh, and he's sad about what's happening in our world today, for sure. So thank you for sharing that. I see. Um, look at that, Sue. You're sad. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, but I don't like being sad. It's not like yes. my favorite <laughs> It's no, it's, it's nobody's emotion. favorite. It's, it's not nobody's my favorite, favorite emotion. So anyways, yes, go back yes. to my bag of questions. Yes. Let's see. No, I don't want to ask that one. That one is way too heavy. <laughs> okay, thank oh, you. Oh, this one's also heavy, but I don't actually know if you have a question, like if you have an answer for this. I have not. I have looked up on the internet this question because I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions. And John's always like, why do you think about these things? But I just do. So, okay, going back, this actually transitions well, because remember, we just talked about how in youth group, when somebody says, like, how do you accept Jesus? And you tell them, like, the four spiritual laws, and this is how you become a Christian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't take into consideration people who have special needs. I know you're going to be like, why are you asking yeah. me this? But I often wondered about, yeah. we live in a world where there's a lot of people who have certain special needs that are not neurotypical. So I'm not even like, there's people who have like mental illness, like schizophrenia, right? And like these things really impact the way you view the world or able to engage in a logical way. People who have who have like mental, I don't know, handicaps and they can't understand if you bring them the four spiritual laws and say, this is what Jesus right, did right. for me. They can't, fa like, it doesn't make sense to them, you know? So then what are we supposed to, how does this account? And it, for that, like, I guess that's why it, I found it troubling the whole lo and logical mm. one, two, three step, do the conversion prayer, repent, we're good. Because yeah. how, does that leave space for all of these gray areas of like, what about the people yeah. who just can't? And what about people who have accepted and then they have a mental like illness happen or, you know, mm. something happens to their brain, they become brain damaged. And then what? You know, they can't live out the fruit of the spirit. Like, I feel like there's so much gray, which is why I'm questioning. I know I'm going to become like one of these cult people that are like, I don't believe in conversion anymore. I don't believe in the four spiritual laws. But it, I don't know. I feel like there's so many gaps there in that that logic. Any Absolutely. The four, the four spiritual laws is not the Bible, you know, in, in any way. I mean, it was a method that worked really well during modernity times. And, uh, you know, when, when you know, we had to have that absolute. But in the culture in which we live in today, it's so different now, right? And so I, I don't think it really works very properly. But it was effective for the time that, you know, we had it. And I know we still use it today in many ways. But it's a, an introduction, right, to get people to know what this is about. 
But just because somebody says yes to that doesn't mean that they're a Christian. Really, it doesn't because they have to bear some fruit, right? They have to, if they're not going to bear fruit, then, you know, whatever you say cerebrally, whatever you say with your mind, and say, yeah, I believe in that. Um, it's, you know, if you believe in it, it should impact and transform your life. That's the thing, right? And so sport, I, I would say the four spirituals was used effectively in some capacity, but in some ways, like we just think that that's the end all be all. I would say somebody who has like, you know, special needs or it's like a mental, you know, like what was the phrase you used? I don't even know because there's disability? so many, there's so many different mental things. Like, yeah, there's so many disabilities. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I, I just think there is, you know, I think for the West, especially Americans, we are so fixated on the cerebral. Like we got to say, we got to believe in it with our minds. And, and I just think, you know, if you talk to Pastor Shirley, who's a special needs pastor, she would say like with the special needs community, it doesn't have to be about the cerebral only. It happens with the heart. You know that they believe in Jesus because you can feel the presence of God through mm, them. It's beautiful. You know, and that is so key. You know, but here in the West, we're so focused on the cerebral that we don't realize that there is this also God can speak to us, yes, with our minds, but he also, he primarily speaks to us through our heart. And uh, um, like there is no doubt that there are people where, you know, who might have some mental disabilities, but you know that they know God because of the presence of God that you encounter when you're with mm-hmm. them. And so, you know, Shirley gives such an amazing example when she went to a worship night um, at another church in town, in, in, not in our town, but uh, locally in Bergen County. And, um, and they had a worship service. And again, it was a group of, you know, folks with mental disabilities. And there's one person, he couldn't speak, he couldn't talk. But the way he was worshiping God, she said, brought her to tears because of the passion that he had to worship mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And he grabbed her hand and said, and basically invited her to worship God mm-hmm. with that intensity. And and so, you know, I just think God speaks, he's not limited just to our minds. He's limited, he he can speak to us in so many different ways and forms. And, uh, and so I don't think, and I, like, I don't look at this mental, mental, this, those who have mental illnesses or those who have some special needs, I don't see them as more disadvantaged than me. Actually, I feel like they have more of an advantage than I do in encountering God, um, because there's a special heart that God has for folks who are hurting like that. So anyway, that's kind of how I see it. So like a very interesting question. I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but I was thinking about, because recently I had um, two friends visit me. My friend Lily and her husband Barry visited me from um, California over the summer. And I remember- we, I uh, How do you know Lily we, and Barry? Lily went Lily to college with me. Lily went okay. to college with me. And Barry is her husband. Now, are they Asian? Yes, they are Asian. Interesting. I have not met too many Asian men by the name of Barry. Okay, okay. Can I? Can we go back? Barry is also Chinese. I think you need more Chinese friends because remember last <laughs> time we talked about my friend Wilson, and then Angie. You know, Angie. Oh, Bay, Wilson! Oh my God, Angie Bay, director of Zamale. She messaged me and she said, "What is wrong with PP? I know plenty of Wilsons. Maybe he just doesn't have any Chinese friends." I don't know any Wilsons. Plenty of Wilsons. Okay, so maybe you need to diversify your Asian. Barry is like. A... Don't be such right, an ethnocentrist. Okay, and be a typical <laughs> Korean. You need to diversify Barry, the okay. Pan Asian <laughs> group of friends. Yes, okay? yes, yes. Barry. Okay. Right. I've You're never so met a Barry. Bad. You're so bad. Anyway, 
So Sorry. anyways, Sorry, so we're talking about what is it that makes humans different from animals? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, where are you going with this? No, no, no. Yeah. Because we're trying to figure out like what makes humans different from animals. Like everyone says we're at the top, right? Um, and also I was thinking it in the theological way of like, we are created in God's image. The animals are not. What is yes. it about humans that separates us from the animals? What is it about us that has, that bears that, or not bears, but is that image of God anyway. Um, and I think, I think erroneously, a lot of us attribute it to our mental capacity. Like, I think that's what mm -hmm. we mm. say is what differentiates us from the animals. And that's, mm -hmm. it was very troubling for me because recently I went to a Jane um, Goodall exhibit. She's like the, the queen of like the chimpanzees. Like she did all this research on chimpanzees and she found, mm. she found that chimpanzees are super duper smart. Like they're able to use tools. Super duper. Super. Yeah. So then it kind of troubled me because I was like, okay, so then what is it that differentiates us from the animals? But now I, I don't know what it is. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you it's not our mental capacity. I'll mm -hmm. tell you that, you know? And I think Great. for a long time, I thought it was. What's so funny what is so funny? I, uh, what, what what made you want to go to an exhibit? This woman, Jane, whatever, Goodall. Jane like, what, Goodall, what, she's what, so what famous. She's she? okay. a really okay. famous scientist. She's all like right. one of the only female scientists at the time. And she did all okay. this extensive, immersive work with chimpanzees. When do you find time to go to these things? Like, My kids well, were with me. Like My kids were with me. Uh, is this during when, while they're in school? So you, no, you no, did, like, no, exhibit, no, so no. She, they were with me. We went to. Oh, they were with you. Yeah, they okay, were with okay, me. Okay, I bad. think this right. was at. I think this was at the museum in Chicago, but um, yeah, I'm a super fun mom. We go to all the museums and learn about all the animals. I mean, my kids just love doing learning on their mm. off days. It's just their favorite. Oh my goodness! Want to make them read all, all right. of these long captions and stuff. But anyways, let me know if you ever find out what it is that humans have that animals don't that differentiates us and makes us have the image of God. But I can tell you, it is not our mental capacity for reasoning no. and logic. Absolutely. I, you know, I just think it's it's if I can just answer that quickly, just you know, just the, how I see it is. We have the Trinity living inside of us. I mean, we have a relationship with God, and animals don't. That's it. You know, that's that's yeah, what makes Yeah, but the Trinity living in us was okay. I don't want to go into the nitty gritty, but the Trinity living in us is. I don't know. Okay, tell me what you think. Okay, because yeah. now this is like ask the pastor, and I'm going to be the lay person who disagrees. Yeah, because go for it. recently I was listening to an interview, and this um, author wrote a book called being the image of God. And her first book was called Bearing the Name of God. And the two mm. things are different, she said, because as God's people, when we become Christians, we can we choose to bear the, the name of God. Just like the Israelites were chosen mm -hmm. to bear God's name, we as Christians are choosing to bear God's name. However, she said, we cannot choose to be the image of God because we were mm -hmm. already created to be the yes. image of God. So whether yes. you're a believer or non-believer, we all have the image of God in us, which is why I don't really know if that answer is sufficient because I don't think non-believers have the Trinity living in them. Um, however, they are still, and you say this all the time, right? You always say, no matter who you encounter, you have to see the the dignity of God in, like you have to treat them with dignity because right. that's Jesus in them. So you say this all the time. So I think that's why it's a little bit like trying to think about what that means, you know, because even non-believers are created yeah. in the image of God. No, of course. When God created us, 
back in Genesis, there was no sin though, Sua. We, he created us in his image in that way. And so before the fall, we were in perfect harmony and unity with the Trinity. Right. You know, we, we, we were able to live with God in that relationship. And that's kind of what it means that that's the difference between human beings. I'm not saying everyone has that, but we're the only ones that have the capacity to do that. The capacity. Animals don't. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. Animals okay. don't. We do. And that's it. And that that's what makes us different than animals, you know, uh, in many ways. So, well, I will not ask I the question it. about whether you think animals go to heaven. I will not. Um. Yes, please don't ask me that question. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I don't want to do that one either. I think we can I have no responsibility that. in who goes to heaven. Like, how many doesn't? questions do you oh, think Jesus. we can do? I think like maybe one or two more. Okay. You know what? I'm going to take them all out. Okay. Here we go. This is a question personally um, being asked to Pastor Peter, father of Christian on, um, okay. who engages in a lot of competitive baseball. How much okay. church is it okay to skip for youth sports? And is it okay to skip church at all? Which one should we prioritize? Answer. <laughs> Answer as father of Christian on. You are such a legalist. <laughs> and then as, so... as, a, as a pastor of a church. You're so funny. No, no. I have yeah, a reason so... why I'm asking this. And it's, I'm, it's why, my question why? is beyond. My question is not. Is okay. it okay to skip church if you have a Sunday yeah. uh, game? That's not what I'm asking because I think the answer yeah. is yes, I have done it. I think my question is more about when is there a Sunday when you don't have a, a sport? Like I have, I live mm. in an area where sports are everything, like youth sports, yeah. Yeah. everything. There are more games, like there are more Sundays where there are sports than there aren't because kids play yeah. multiple seasonal sports. And so that what that means is there's way more Sundays when you are not at church than you are at church. Yeah. I'm not asking about those random days when, you know, once a month or something like that, there is a game. I'm talking about when it becomes a pattern of your life where you actually are not at church most of the time. And in those random days when the game gets rained out, you go to church. Do you think that's OK? Yeah. I'm just curious because my kids are not in competitive. No, sports. I don't. I, 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 do, I, do do, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's okay. If 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 your kids are involved in sports to the point where you're missing church more than you're actually going to it, I think that's really dangerous. Um, I really don't think you can be spiritually healthy unless you're a part of a church. I'm gonna say that again. I don't think you can be spiritually healthy unless you're actually deeply involved in a church and you're growing because we can't grow by ourselves, sort of like on our own. And uh, and I think we really do need a church. We need we need to we need the people of God to help us to grow. We need to be in relationships with people in the church to grow. Now, if the church is if you just see church as social, then you don't need the church. You really don't. But if you see the church as a place where Jesus is the head, and the Spirit of God lives within the body of believers, then you need the church. You need to be a part of the church. Um, and, uh, and you can, and I would say that that's a very important. And if you don't teach that to your children, then that's a problem. That really is a problem. So I will go back to talking about me because my son does play baseball and he does play club baseball and he did play club baseball and he missed a lot of, you know, we, we had to miss Sundays at times. Um, I would say like, at least for me, like how I sort of rationalize it is, is that, you know, our family time of growing in our relationship with God is more than just on a Sunday. You know, we pray together regularly. We do worship services at home. I have an opportunity, you know, do we do Bible, you know, reading together and stuff like that. And so that to me is, 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 is helping in the process. And in the, in the meantime, I'm always telling Christian that no matter what, you know, 
going to church is so much more important than playing baseball and making baseball your life. Now, we can miss church from time to time so that you can accommodate and go to this, but we're not going to miss church every Sunday so that you can play baseball. And so that's that's a real important thing. And so, yeah. And so, you know, we we intentionally look for teams that don't that that try not to have too many games on Sundays or have tournaments on Sundays. Um, if they do have tournaments on Sundays, then, you know, we, we, we do go to it. But yeah, but we don't we don't we don't try to um, get them so involved where or get him so involved where he's missing church. And, you know, the good thing about him is in youth group. So he goes to church no matter what once a week because he's got, you know, Friday night youth group fellowship. And he's always going and he's always participating in the life of the church, which I think is really good and healthy. So anyway, yeah, but I, but I will caution parents. Uh, again, like I think we're just naturally idol worshipers. If like, you know, we have idolized a certain sport for our kids to play in. And I speak for myself, too, that we just have to be really careful of that. Right. Because like our greatest gift that we can give to our children is for them to grow up really loving God and being enchanted with Jesus Christ. And you know, being so inclined and being playing sports all the time may not, that might not be the right, the right path. But anyway, but I do, inc- I, I, I do think it's okay for parents to miss church to watch their kids play sports. In fact, I'm going to share something that I, I hope I don't get in trouble by Steve, but Steve and I really <laughs> talked about this with our staff members. Like if they have to miss a Sunday to go watch their kids play sports, do we let them do that? Or do we count that as one of the Sundays because every staff member, we don't have, you can miss unlimited amount of Sundays, right? Because Sundays is the day that you need to be sure. at church yeah. and working. And, we and get so Mondays in off. the past, we just, yeah, in the past, we just would say, you know what? No, it counts as a Sunday, right? It counts as one Sunday. Mm. And, you know, you know, that's why I love Steve. You know, Steve's like, let me just think about it for a while. I'm like, all right, let me think about it. And he came back to me and he's like, hey, no, we can't count it as a Sunday miss because he's, because we're encouraging our staff to spend time with family. And that's family. That's like, you know, when they're going to watch sports, they're actually having family time together. So that should be encouraged. It shouldn't be discouraged. So he's like, I'm not going to take a Sunday off. Like when somebody wants to go watch their kid play sports or go to a dance recital, they can't. I'm not going to let, they don't have to say that that's one Sunday that they're going to miss at church. It's not going to count. So I was like, wow, okay, I trust you. And so it's like a very interesting conversation because I mean, obviously that's with the understanding that it's not going to be like more weeks than not. Oh yeah. Like obviously that's like the exceptional case when they have an actual big recital or big game, like of course. Um, But, um, and I don't know, maybe it's different in Bergen County versus Ohio, because I have recently, I was recently speaking to a friend who moved to DC and she was like, I said, what are the differences that you see in the way um, parenting is done or the way kids are, in mm. DC versus like Ohio. And she was like, Oh, number one, hands down is like the amount of youth sports that like is emphasized no. because youth sports in mid in the Midwest is just hum- huge. It's just huge. Like is everybody it? plays. Like I mean, it's, I think it's pretty big here, but I, I, I don't know if it's huge, um, but yeah. And actually this question came up recently with somebody where they said, maybe we should start offering a Saturday service, like a Saturday evening service because, um, then all these people who have games on Sundays, because Sunday is the big game day, we they will they can just come to a church service on like Saturday evening. And I was trying to figure out how I felt about that. Not that it matters at all what I think about that, because I am not on any staff or board for any church. So I'm just thinking here, like, I wonder how I feel about that. Because on one hand, it makes it probably makes sense that we're 
compromising in a certain way because maybe they, everybody has to start somewhere. And so if there's like a direct scheduling conflict, we're already eliminating the chances that a person will ever come to church. So by allowing an extra time where they can at least encounter God, we can push them onto the direction of prioritizing Jesus. But if they yeah. never set foot in a church, they will never get there versus the other side of me. That's like, I feel like we can't be compromising like where we feel like like worship should stand in the totem pole of our like priorities and so i felt very I like you, do you know I'm, what I'm I mean? on that side i'm on that side yeah i am on i'm on definitely on that side because church just can't be convenient it's it's a commitment that we make right and there's going to yeah. be sacrifices yeah. involved in it as well and so if if your kids are involved in three different sports right because that's usually all year round mm -hmm. it's three different sports right and then that means you're never going to be a church and you feel like that's more important than going to church on Sunday, then I just don't think, honestly, like, I just hope I don't rub people the wrong way. You know, I don't think God's really important to you. Right. And so it doesn't matter what day you change the search service, church service. I mean, no one, they're not going to go, you know, and so maybe they'll go once in a while, but I, I just don't think that's a successful model to do church ministry. But you know, if God's, if you love Jesus and Jesus is really important to you, I guarantee you, you're going to, you, I've never met a person who loves the Lord like really loves Jesus saying that church is not important to them, you know? And so church has to be a priority. If it's not a priority, then of course, you know, then you'll never want to go. We have people in church that miss church for football, you know? Like watching and football so, on TV? Yeah, watching football on TV, yeah. you know, things like that. So again, it, it, that. It, it's priority. It's a prioritizing. And if you love the Lord, you got to love the church because Jesus is the head of the church. Like it's just, you can't, you know, Christ came and died for the church. So it's really important that 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 you realize that. And if 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 you're going to sporting events and having your kids involved in all these different sports, then you've already shown what where your priority lies, right? You care more about your kids being great at certain sports and and not uh, rather than really growing and uh, and being in a thriving relationship with God, right? And so I think it's really important that we try to put our kids in positions where they can do that. And if you're doing it at home, that's great. I think that's a necessity. If your kids are missing quite a bit of church. You should be doing something at home to uh, help them to grow in their relationship with God. Um, yeah, it's just it's, I think it's just really key. But it's it's uh, it's 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 a big deal. And I know there's people in our church that that have kids that are involved in so many different sports, and they're always you know. But I don't I don't think sports is as big as here. I mean, you you lived here, Sua, so I don't think it's as yeah, big as here. My kids were not at the age of elementary yeah. at the time, so I don't have a real good comparison. And I've also pulled out my kids from like seasonal sports because it was really just messing with my weekends so now yeah. they just do jujitsu yeah. which is during the week also my yeah, kids yeah. have zero athletic ability at this time <laughs> so it's not like so it's not really like an idle tension for me yeah because i can watch them play and there's never a time when i'm like wow this is really where i'm gonna base my and their identity well, well, all the like sports so all, all i would say is this the cool thing is is that any school sports there is no sunday games Really, all of our school sports are. Oh no, 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 that's not true. It's Parks and Rec. That's club right. team. Yes, that's club right. sports that's right. are on Sundays. That's right. You're right. So my encouragement would be, you know, like you don't have to put your kids in three different club sports. You know, they can, you know, uh, because most of the club sports are on Sundays. But in school, school sports, they never have a Sunday game. It's always Saturday games and then weekday games, but they never have a Sunday game. So I'm grateful for that. And so, you know, let them participate in that sport. But in the club sport, you just may want to be very careful because if you're missing church so many consecutive weeks, then you're already sending the message to your children that church is not that important to you. So it shouldn't be important to them. 
you know, so I think that's, that's a bit of a problem. So, and that's somebody who has a kid and who's playing sports. They're very competitively. Very competitively. Yeah. And yeah. somebody who's doing that. Right. And so, you know, and I have multiple talks with him about how important church is and how important this is. And, you know, he's playing fall ball right now. So he's missed church in a couple of weeks in a row now because, um, you know, they've been playing on, uh, it's not club ball, it's just for the town, but they play on Sundays. And this is with his team. And we talked about it. And he's like, you know, dad, I want to play this with my team. And this is his last fall ball because he's going to mm -hmm. go to college now. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. Yeah. It's like, as long as you go to Friday nights and he loves going to church. I mean, he loves, he's like, I miss going to church. I want to be with my friends and miss the youth group. But he always goes Friday nights when they have services. And he does that and he connects with folks in his, you know, in his, uh, in his grade at church and stuff like that as well. So, but yeah, so. So what did you think about my rapid firing questions at you? I love it. I thought it was great. Sue, you're so good at it, especially the sports thing. It's a good way to end because that's very practical yeah, for a lot of yeah. people. Um, and I hope it doesn't rub people the wrong way, but I do think we have to be careful with that because sometimes sports, sports is an idol, huge idol in this country. And, uh, and I have to be careful with it too. Like I've, I've learned to like, just say, I'm just going to turn off the TV, even if it's the Yankees playing, even though they're not playing now because they didn't make the playoffs, but I just you like, I don't care. I'll that. just, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure out the score the next morning. You know, I'm not it's gonna very sleep. revealing. Did you, did I talk about, I think I must've talked about this, but did you watch that show beef like months ago with Ali Wong? I watched Steve beef Dunn? a year and a half ago. Yeah, I think. a while ago. Do you I, I watched it when scene? it came out. You remember that scene where they're playing like basketball at church and that guy who's supposed to be like the super holy leader suddenly starts like screaming oh, expletives. And he starts <laughs> cursing at the basketball court, right? Because he's so angry. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is, I, I said to John, I said, the person who wrote this has clearly been part of like a youth group. <laughs> he yes. knows exactly. It was the, so the accuracy of it was yes. just unreal. Yes. So spot We've on. We've all been so, there. We've all so seen spot on. youth group presidents. So angry. Like or like yeah. college group presidents like have yeah. meltdowns because of their competitive nature that they just cannot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the holiness couldn't quite like. Listen, listen, like I, I think I've shared this in a podcast before, but I was in a seminary basketball league and like it was awful. Like pastors are the worst. They honestly are the worst. We're, <laughs> we're the worst group of people that are the most competitive. And we have a lot of we have a lot of shame we live with. And so that's why we're so competitive. Listen, I, I really believe this. And, I'm, you know, sometimes I joke around. The more competitive you are, like if it's to the point where you actually become a bad person, like like you're mean to other people, it just shows you you live with a lot more shame than others do. Shame mm. really is one of the reasons why people are so competitive. So. Anyway, that's all I would say. Sula, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for doing Thank this. You for, and I appreciate you, it. You did a great job answering these wild <laughs> and random questions. I love Good your job. Wild and Good job, questions. Dr. On. Oh, man. Good job. All right. Anyway, so guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts, any questions, any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but also, I just, I, I try to do this usually at every end of every episode, but we would love for you to share on your social medias uh, feed or just, you know, if you know some people, just tell them about the podcast you've been listening to. And uh, we love for you to help us to spread the word because we love to grow our audience. All right. So thanks so much for listening. Please tune in again next week. Take care and have a good day. Bye.